0: Welcome to Attenuation, a weekly podcast where two friends come together to drink beer, discuss beer styles and trends, and just generally ruminate on the meaning of life, aka beer. If you enjoy your time with us, we invite you to become a weekly listener and subscribe to the podcast. Without further ado, here is this week's episode.
1: Hello and welcome to episode seventy-one of Attenuation, a beer podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm joined by my best friend since eighth grade, Stephen.
0: Hello. Good evening, sir. <laughs> How are we doing tonight? I'm excited. I'm excited too. It's going to be a fun episode.
1: I, I get to do get to drink two things. I'm very excited about.
0: <laughs> and we have a new segment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we have a new segment.
0: So oh, buckle your seatbelts.
1: I yeah, it's not been cleared in pre-production, so I have no idea what's going to happen. But our main topic of the evening is going to be a good one. We're doing a deep dive into a light lager.
0: This is very exciting. Actually, yeah. it's I'm kind of surprised it's taken us 71 episodes to <laughs> do a deep dive on this style because really it is the most dominant style in the whole world. But we're we're gonna try. We're gonna we try to do. We got it. around to it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: All right, but before we get into that, we have to do our favorite segment, and one of the things I'm most excited about, and that's drinking beer. Let's do it. So the way this works is I introduce my beer, give some nose notes, Stephen does the same, then we cheers, drink, and give tasting notes. So, today, I have yet another care package from Stephen. It was not delivered by him, but it was delivered by a member of his family, so thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is from Jester King, and it is called... Montmor am I going to mispronounce this? It's a Montmorency, which is a um, type of cherry, and then versus Boliten, which is another type of cherry, and those are from Michigan. So this is a wild ale, and they use both of those types of cherries to basically mature, sour, and barrel age the beer on. And Stephen knows one, I'm a huge fan of drinking, and two, cherry is my absolute favorite flavor. I think of all time, of, of everything, not just beer.
0: Just of anything. Candy? Yeah, cherry candy, yep. What else is there?
1: Like cherry Coke.
0: Oh, cherry Coke, oh yeah. Ooh, I cherry, like cherry Coke.
1: Cherry pie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right, there are a lot of things. Sorry, the only thing I could think <laughs> of was cherry candy.
1: <laughs>
0: Dang, man, you schooled me up. <laughs> <laughs> so, Couldn't all right, think of so... anything else. <laughs>
1: I am excited. Do you so like I have the cherry
0: your... on top like the, of a Sunday. You like the maraschino Obviously. cherry? Well, I don't yeah. know. It's kind of a different flavor.
1: Well, okay. So, do you already want to go on a tangent?
0: Yeah, let's do it. So, I live for that.
1: They're called maraschino cherries, but generally, the ones you get like on a Sunday, those little red, like artificial yeah. ones, yeah. those are those are not technically maraschino cherries the real maraschino cherries and i could be getting this wrong but i'm pretty sure this is right they're first of all they're like 30 dollars for like a little jar okay because they're like aged and like they're like really dark almost black red those are unbelievable but i like the i like i like i like the little candy like Sunday cherries too so to are answer your question you're yes, telling
0: me my whole life is a lie
1: <laughs> yes you probably never had like probably never had
0: a real maraschino cherry
1: unless you specifically gone and bought them and they're outrageously expensive you can you can get them at like um total wine and stuff like that
0: because i'm gonna actually look for them now
1: okay a real maraschino cherry so yeah anyways cherries are good so (laughs) let's get to this so it's uh it's you know this is fancy beer but it doesn't have a cork or wax
0: it doesn't have a cork are you sure
1: oh is there gonna be a cork in here maybe i'm not not prepared for a cork
0: i think there might be there's no cork oh okay
1: wasn't ready for a cork
0: can I can I tell the audience what you're celebrating this week?
1: Yeah, you can tell them.
0: It's Jason's birthday in a couple of days. Yeah. Well, we'll have already passed when you listen to this episode. Yeah, I'll already be old. Can I tell them how old you're turning? You may. Big four zero this year. <laughs> over the hill. 40. Well, you're like at the top of the hill. I right? thought
1: 40 is over the hill.
0: Well, I mean, that's what they say, but it seems like it's only one day you've turned 40. <laughs> right? So now you're at the top of the hill. It's just downhill from here.
1: Ah, okay.
0: Right? I is that so. what they mean by that, or does yes, that mean like, okay, you now you're you're done, you're rolling, you're already rolling down the hill?
1: <laughs> I think they just mean everything gets worse now. Like you peaked, and now it's yeah, almost downhill.
0: down. Yeah. All right. Well, you, at least you're peaking, drinking Jester King's cherry beer.
1: Yeah, a couple of days before my life is starting to go into the yeah. trash can.
0: <laughs> Sounds like a good way to peak to me. So I
1: get to drink Jester King. Ooh, okay, I this that color,
0: it's a lot more pink than I thought.
1: Yeah, it is like, it's actually, so I have something else I'm going to drink. It's the same <laughs> color. We'll get to that. We'll get to that soon. <laughs> but it pours like, it's. this is like red Kool-Aid.
0: Yeah. That's beer. the color. Yeah, I thought it was going to be darker than that.
1: Oh, it smells amazing. So obviously it smells like cherries, but it has a little bit of that sour, like lactose sour, a little bit of like vanilla, maybe even like, um, it has a little bit of like a smell of almost like wine as well. Okay. I'm I'm very excited. Okay, introduce okay. your beer. Go fast. I'm jealous. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> I'm just getting taking time. My beer introductions are always like 10 minutes long, so he's like, dude, I just want to drink my beer. Okay. This beer is called Side Pole. It is from Fair State Brewing Cooperative in Minnesota. It is a collaboration with a brewery called Beerstat Lager. They do all lagers. Uh, and this beer is a Czech style pale lager. And it says crisp, malty, soft, and crushable. 4.1% ABV. I even got one that just says pale lager on it. I made a very, very fun run to the beer shop today. Did you? Yes, and I spent a lot of money.
1: <laughs> that wasn't the only beer you bought?
0: No. <laughs> so, well, I have a... My new segment coming up that I can use to explain something. <laughs> okay. I'm excited. <laughs> okay, this is this is beer. This is the color of beer. Okay, this is your golden beer with a nice big foamy head. Perfectly clear. You can see the, the label on the glass through the glass. It's just nice like effervescent bubbles coming up through the whole thing continuously. Probably for the whole time I'm drinking the beer. It's just beautiful beer. That beautiful straw-colored beer that they would use in any stock photo if you just searched a beer.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. And it has, like, the perfect little head on top.
0: Ooh, it smells really good. It smells like crisp sort of honey, a little bit of, like, it's very lemony, very grassy. This is super aromatic. It has a nice, like, just a tiny bit of, like, almost hop aroma. But just a really, really light vegetal hop aroma with, like, a lemony, honey, and kind of... Uh, like biscuity malt smell to it so
1: that's that it smells
0: nice i know it's actually really nice nose on coming off of this so all right cheers cheers
1: to almost being over the hill <laughs> all
0: right drink your beer old man
1: oh yes <laughs> this is really really good uh it's so good so it's like it's not as sour as i thought it was gonna be there's like a lemon tartness when you first sip into it and then you immediately get, you get um, like sweet cherry pie, but when I say sweet, I mean like relative to the other flavors in the beer. This is not like last week when I was drinking maple syrup. It's not like artificially sweet in any way. It's like okay. pure cherry sweetness, like the essence of the cherry. It's so good. And then you get like cinnamon a little bit of the oak and then i swear there's like a second wave of cherry like a dark cherry that comes after and then that has like an incredibly long sweet but not not like sickeningly sweet a super like impossibly long cherry finish and it's kind of dry it's spectacular yeah thumbs up two (laughs) thumb, two two big thumbs up (laughs) i had a feeling i was really gonna like it but it uh it met it I think it met and or exceeded my expectations.
0: Awesome. That sounds amazing. I have a bottle. I can't wait to open and try it.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. Now you can be excited for uh, when you drink yours.
0: <laughs> well, my birthday is the next week, so maybe next yeah, week Yeah, the, right the I'll corner. drink it.
1: <laughs> there you go. This is the official birthday beer. <laughs>
0: All right, so mine's really good. Probably not quite as complex as Jason's beer. It's really simple, nice, crushable lager. A lot of what I smelled in the nose, I was tasting a lot of, like, sort of lemony grass, a little bit of, like, herbal spiciness from the hops. Finish is really crisp. It actually finishes like, I was like, it took me forever to finally place the taste. Uh, like mineral water, like, you know, sparkling water. Interesting. Yeah kind of that just like sort of carbonated water dan- like bitterness you know i never really liked it i think it's not op- it's very popular now the sparkling water yeah. thing but i just i just always think of like you know the syrup runs out on the fountain soda and you think you're getting sprite but you just
1: it's <laughs> exactly what it tastes like <laughs>
0: It's just carbonated water with no flavoring. Yeah. yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's how it kind of finishes. Hmm, um, interesting. Yeah. So let me add a few things. First off, Beerstat Lager, which is the collaboration brewery with Fair State Cooperative. They are based in Denver. Apparently, they are very, very popular there for the lagers that they make. They call this a bitty little ten-degree Play-Doh Czech style lager. So I needed to know a little bit more about what that meant. So the 10 degrees Play-Doh uh, refers to the gravity of the wort. And for each degree of and, and how much sugar you have per like 100 grams of. So one Play-Doh, one degree Play-Doh is 10 grams of sugar per 100 grams of wort or something okay. like that. Okay. So anyway... It kinda gives you an idea of how like what your alcohol volume is gonna be at the end. So usually at uh, for every one degree Play Doh you get point four percent alcohol. So mm. this is a that's why this is a ten degree Play Doh check style lager. A B V comes out to about four percent. Cool. So anyway, just some fun fun facts. Now the other thing I have to talk to you about today. So, tonight, actually, I went to Pine House Pizza for dinner with one goal in mind because I was there last week and they had a Czech style Pilsner on tap and they had it two ways. One was just a regular pour, and the second way was they called it a slow pour. Okay. And I was like, I don't know what that is. So, I was asking the guy and he's like, Yeah. So, basically, it takes about 10 minutes to pour the beer. You pull right down the middle of the glass. So, what you get is basically glass almost exclusively full of foam Hmm. and then you stop and you wait a little bit that foam will die down and then you do the same thing and you do that over and over and over again until you have you know a lot more beer than foam but what you end up with is this like crazy like meringue looking foam at the top like it's so thick and then you get the beer warms up a little bit right so you get a few more flavors coming out and it just opens it up a little bit more Uh, the malts come out actually the color changes so Tonight, I went there with the specific goal of going and getting this slow pour pilsner. So I like ordered my food and my beer and then I went and sat down. He was like, yeah, I'll find you and bring it bring it out to you when it's finally done. <laughs> he brought it to me and then he also brought me just a small little taster of the regular pour so that I could drink them. Oh, side cool. by side. Yeah. Yeah. And the color was actually different. Like, Jeez. The color on the slow pour was a little bit darker, a little bit more orange. And it was interesting. The flavor difference is interesting. Like the the regular pour was very, very much like what you think of as a very light, easy drinking filter. Very, very crisp. Not a lot of flavors almost at all really coming out. Contrast that to the slow pour one, which again was... Darker in color, a little bit more malt forward, a little bit more spice forward. I just think the flavors kind of opened up a little bit more. It was interesting. Both of them went amazingly well with the pizza, and that's one of the things I think you know we will mentioned about these pale lagers. They're such a great food beer, yeah, because they, they they can cut through any flavor, they can cut through any spiciness. So they're just a great great beer to pair with food. So, but anyway, both of, both pours were great with my pizza. But it was just interesting to learn about the slow pour. And so, of course, I was Googling it a bunch. And yeah, I was
1: going to say, is this like a thing that, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd never heard of this before.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things, a lot of articles basically saying, like, you're pouring your pills and they're all wrong. <laughs> and hmm. you should you should uh, be patient and take your time and pour do it out slow slowly pour. yeah
1: huh this is really interesting so it's yeah so pie house pizza just does this now or is it just for that mm-hmm. specific beer or?
0: just for that check pilsner yeah okay. they'll always have it but
1: i wonder if anyone else around me does this slow pour i want to try it do it yourself <laughs> i guess i could
0: yeah uh, but anyway apparently the name of this this beer side pole is actually named after a certain kind of tap that they use to uh, pour the pilsner to to um, serve the pilsner and it creates yeah. like that more of that open flavor in the full, the the like more meringue fuller head so
1: Huh, super cool. Yeah, I just wonder if you could do... I don't know if you could do it with, like, a can. I feel like the beer would go flat before the... I feel like that's part of the advantage you have, like, on tap. Um,
0: Yeah, like, you have the carbonation coming.
1: Yeah. Huh.
0: Yeah, it's totally true. All
1: right, cool. So, thumbs up on yours?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. I like that, that it's just one of those clean... Refreshing beers is going to be the uh, theme of this episode. But right. what's funny is that, I mean, this is the most popular beer in the world. And when they started to become brewed, they completely took over. Yeah. So something about it. <laughs> All Easy right. Very cool.
1: More on that to come. All right. So next we have our postscript and beer news segment. I have a postscript and then also Stephen is canceling the beer news part of the segment for his own s- steven tells a story segment.
0: I believe we agreed with story time with Steve.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Story time with Steve <laughs> is the new segment. And this is a very experimental segment. If it goes well, we may continue. If it goes poorly, it will not continue. I will do my postscript first.
0: I so, ma- I try try not to make it bedtime stories. With Steve. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> He's going to put us all to sleep. So, I have another thing I'm going to taste today. That was also delivered. <laughs> to me and i'm very excited about
0: beer number two (laughs)
1: yes beer number two so i was promised the terroir of austin so i was given jester king and i was also given big
0: red which is big red (laughs) true taste of texas terroir right here
1: so i have never tried this soda i'm a huge soda fiend and so i am going to be tasting this as our postscript and i i pouring it out i brought a glass giving you guys the full tasting
0: notes Well it's funny as we mentioned how cream soda in Canada is pink or whatever. Yes. And the more I read about it it was they were saying they actually has a ding you know, it tastes a little bit like big red. Okay. So
1: Okay, so it poured red, the even the head was like pink. So there's a sickening amount of food coloring in this product. <laughs> it smells like oh no, Steven, I don't like the smell. So it definitely smells like strawberry and cotton candy. But to the refined palate, such as myself. <sighs> There is the slightest hint of toothpaste, mm. not like fresh toothpaste, but you know how like your toothbrush tastes if you didn't like, if it still has a little residual toothpaste on it, Mm-hmm. It smells like that.
0: Right. Uh, oddly specific.
1: <laughs> that's what it smells like, hey, can't help it, that's what the brain puts out. Okay, <laughs> it tastes exactly what it smells like. <laughs> Hmm. Definitely, yeah, it's a little bit of cream soda A little bit of cotton candy A little bit of residual toothpaste
0: It's very sweet
1: It's powerfully sweet The aftertaste is reminiscent of Code Red Mountain Dew Hmm. So, on the one hand, this is disgusting
0: (laughs) And on the other
1: (laughs) On the other hand, I would totally drink this (laughs) I'm gonna tighten the cap back on to preserve this for later
0: Oh my gosh (laughs)
1: thumbs up to big red
0: all right it's a winner huh (laughs) yeah i have one daughter one of my daughters really really likes it and then the rest of the family thinks it's terrible so it's a lot (laughs) it's very sweet
1: All right, cool. So that was my postscript. I've now been indoctrinated into the Big Red family. Welcome. Thanks. I really feel like I experienced some Texas
0: today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All
0: right, story time with Steve. Is that what we're calling it? Story time with Steve. I'm ready. Okay, get comfortable. I have to drink a get bunch of bl- water. to your blanket on.
1: I need to cleanse my palate before. <laughs> I don't want to waste a drop of this well, gesture King after drinking Big Red.
0: Well, you can use story time with Steve time to cleanse your palate
1: okay will do
0: so my wife and i were going on a date and we went to this place called cork and it's a wine bar because my wife likes wine and i always make her go to breweries so we finally went to a wine bar for her i figured i could find something we got a really nice charcuterie board and some uh dips they were very good My wife got wine, and then I noticed that they had Wild Mind Ales smoothie sours. So you remember the one you had that was like super, 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 super sour? right? Yeah. So it was like a blackberry one they had. I was going to order that. Well then I see the bartender. She is pouring one into a glass and she fills like the glass half with the beer and then she takes Prosecco and fills the rest. So she like combined Prosecco with the smoothie sour. And so when she got over to us, we were like what were you doing mixing those two? And she's like oh yeah. They had a name for it. I can't remember. Anyway. They had a name for it. And... It was she was like, yeah, these beers are really, really sour. And so people will like the mix with the Prosecco kind of cuts down on the sourness, makes it more yeah. tolerable. And so my wife was like, do you want that? And I said, I, I want the whole beer. No Prosecco.
1: <laughs> Heck yeah, brother. <laughs>
0: Don't water down that uh, the lady's like, OK. And it was so sour and it was so good. <laughs>
1: Is, aren't those sour
0: yeah very 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 sour those wild mind ales are something else
1: that's cool though that's actually so fascinating they're making like spritzes out of them
0: because mm-hmm. that's like uh
1: that's a popular thing is you take prosecco and then you mix it with um aperol or like uh they're like those i guess are they an aperitif i don't know what you can consider them but they're really bitter like digestive drinks in italy but i guess some people probably drink them straight but If you mix them like with Prosecco, it's way better because then you can Mm -hmm. have like a bittersweet cocktail, basically. So they're basically doing that with beer because the beer is so sour. That's really fascinating.
0: Yeah. Paradox. I think that's what they called it was the the name of if you wanted to order that. So I just thought that was really funny because I'm probably one of the few people that just I just want the beer. I want the really, really sour.
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm so proud of you for being a purist.
0: (laughs) (laughs) don't mix anything in my in my gimmicky smoothie sour okay
1: (laughs) yeah you're like i want it to be so sour that i feel like i'm gonna die
0: so there you go that was story time with steve i loved it
1: it was exciting
0: sometimes i just have like beer experiences well kind of like my experience tonight with the slow pour yeah i learn new things about beer or i have funny experiences with beer so turn that into story time with steve
1: all right it can it can remain as a segment
0: well, sometimes, oh, it, we do have a beer news, remember? And you didn't like it. That's why we had to replace it with Storytime with Steve. But we do have beer news. It's National IPA Day today.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm over it.
0: You, like, got about it and over it in, like, half a second.
1: Yeah, well, we de- we decoded the fact that there's, like, 5,000 days. So every day is, like, 20
0: days. Yeah.
1: It just it cheapens them to me.
0: Well, it's funny because like I literally had the thought when I saw it, I was like, "Wasn't it just IPA Day like ten days ago?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is there two IPA Days?
0: No, it was probably like National Beer Day or
1: yeah, that's national what I'm saying. There's just too drink many. a beer
0: day or National. What's your favorite beer day or something? Yeah, it's that's I not like, special. Got that confused with National IPA Day.
1: So yeah, drink an IPA. I wonder day if there's a
0: National Devil IPA. Day. <laughs>
1: oh no okay we'll postscript.
0: maybe that. that fits into the category of all ipas you can drink a double ipa if you want what's your favorite ipa let's just do a thing since it's national IPA, in honor
1: of ipa day
0: yeah plenty
1: of the elder this is double does that count
0: of course it counts
1: well it only counts under
0: the umbrella of ipas
1: well wait it, we'll figure it out because i'm going to do a postscript to figure out if there's a double ipa day and if there's a double IPA day, you can't pick a double IPA for IPA day.
0: Okay. Well, you have a week to do the postscript and come up with a regular IPA. <laughs> say.
1: Okay. All right. I put it down in the postscripts.
0: Two words. <laughs> My favorite IPA: Juicy Bits, Old Works Brewing, Greeley, Colorado. All right. I, mine's probably a tie between Juicy Bits and Ghost in the Machine. Ooh. There. You have to pick one. Okay. Juicy Bits. Sorry.
1: But Ghost in the Machine is a close second.
0: Yeah. Okay. There you have Am it. I- I might pick Ghost.
1: I want to try those two side by side.
0: That would be a good side by side.
1: An excellent side by side. Yeah, good luck, good luck getting those two beers together, like, fresh.
0: <laughs> so.
1: All right, anyways, okay. enough uh, dilly-dallying.
0: All right, let's get into it.
1: we got to get into the main topic. because I'm
0: stalling point. because I'm scared. <laughs>
1: <It's> <laughs> of what?
0: I'm just nervous about this topic. I feel like somebody who knows a lot more about loggers and pilsners <laughs> It's just gonna destroy us in the ratings <laughs> <They're>
1: gonna... <laughs> one star didn't know enough about pilsners and loggers.
0: What they probably what probably happened is they hadn't listened to any other uh, any of our other deep dives where we realized we didn't know anything about anything else either
1: right oh and i need to preface this deep dive we need oh, to make sure we what? hit the five topics of a deep dive do you remember what okay. they are
0: i know that prohibition is one yes and uh the style being saved yes is that style, one of them
1: a style is carried or revived by a
0: single person okay uh fire fire yes there's two more Ta- oh tax evasion
1: tax evasion yes and last but not least happens all the time it's very bad i don't remember there's two really big ones war.
0: war 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yes we got to make sure we hit Every time we do a deep dive, all five of those things always come up. So keep that in mind.
0: All right. Well, I think first we need to define what we're talking about. Yes. So there are two main categories of beer. One is ales and one is lagers. Ales are fermented with a yeast that prefer warm temperatures and they usually do not need a very long fermentation time, five to ten days. Now, lagers are the other style. The word lager really just means to store or to condition for a long time. So it's kind of like there are, of course, exceptions to every rule and there are exceptions to the ale and lager thing where you use a lager yeast, like a cold IPA, you use a lager yeast, or, you know, there's types of beers where you use an ale yeast, but you ferment at a colder temperature, that kind of stuff. But for the most part, without the few exceptions, the lagers use a yeast that prefers a cold temperature during fermentation. And these beers are generally fermented for a very long time, usually weeks to months, what was happening really was in like 13th century. That's kind of like when people started to realize that yeast was making the beer. They didn't really actually know that what they were working with exactly. They just knew that if they took the yeast cap from one fermentation and they used it on the next one, not only they made like similar beer, that's how they made the beer and they just knew that like that's how it worked is that whatever there was in that yeast cap <laughs> was was making the beer that's all they really understood
1: <laughs> yeah it's, it's the way we've always done
0: it right yeah <laughs> And basically, they were, by using these yeast over and over and over and over and over again in beers, they were cultivating a a brewer's yeast, a strain of yeast that was perfect for brewing. Uh, What they noticed, and of course, like, you know, you're talking about time when you don't have any sort of refrigeration, so yeast that ferment at like basically just kind of room or a little bit warmer than room temperature were ideal because you just weren't you didn't have the ability to cool and ferment at a lower temperature. But they did notice that every once in a while they would come across these yeast strains that would kind of fall out of suspension and they would only be active at a lower temperature. They started kind of cultivating those yeast and using them in beers. This is now like we're talking about like mid fifteenth century. Started to use that yeast to brew a beer to, at a colder temperature, and what they realized is that you needed much longer period of fermentation and conditioning because one, the yeast are just the bottom feeding cold fermenting yeast are less active and mm. less flamboyant. They're less flavorful. They just don't produce a lot of phenols or esters. Uh, they just turn sugar into alcohol like that. That's kind of <laughs> what they do they don't produce a whole lot of extra stuff and you get this kind of like harsh beer at first but the, the length and the time of fermentation starts to really really round out those edges and it cleans itself up and like haze falls out of suspension these beers are very very clear and So that's kind of where your split came between the two types of beers and they became super popular. But what was interesting is that for a very, very long time, these were basically only made in a very, very small geographical area of Germany, basically where it was a little bit cooler and there were a lot of like caves and underground areas where they would store the beer at a cooler temperature because again you're talking time when there's no sort of ref- refrigeration. So because of the difficulty in cold fermenting, they just they just weren't made.
1: Gotcha. Cuz you needed uh, you needed like natural refrigeration and a lot mm-hmm. of people just didn't have access to that.
0: Yeah. So I think I mean really at, at this point you kind of like fast forward to the mid 1800s when they start having not only do they start to understand yeast. Uh, This is, uh, you know, Louis Pasteur making the discovery that yeast is, you know, these single cell organisms are what ferment the beer. And so there's like more understanding of yeast strains. uh, There's more access to refrigeration. These beers start to become Brew at a higher rate, and they become very, very, very popular. And so, what I should mention now is that there are these, like, kind of two main branches off of the lager umbrella of beers. One would be pale lagers, and the other are dark lagers. So, we're just going to talk about the pale lager branch of this tree. Um, the dark lagers would be like your Dunkles and your Schwartz beers, and much, much more maltier style. So, we're going to mainly focus on the pale loggers, the three Sort of main branches of that umbrella would be Pilsner's, Hell's Lager, and Dortmund Exports. So we'll talk a little bit about each one of those.
1: Nice. You really set the stage. I try.
0: <laughs> but I think what's interesting is that like, like uh, I don't know, 150, 200 years ago, we basically had a craft brew scene of all almost all ales yeah, and almost no lagers. And that's like, that basically... Completely flipped. Yeah, 180. To where, oh, totally. Yeah. So like I was mentioning, these beers became very, very popular. And people wanted to drink these. And even to the dismay of like ale brewers did not want to stop brewing ales. One of the sort of interesting things about these lagers is that they're hard to make. It's, it's the most difficult style to brew uh, between the time, the temperature control, and the like... more difficult yeast to work with and then the the fact that you have a beer that is very very malt and hot forward like the yeast you don't get any help from the yeast in terms of covering up off flavors and so the juice have to be very very precise and you have to like be able to express the flavors of your ingredients without screwing it up like the balance is so critical because you just can't hide behind anything
1: yeah you talked about that a little bit of the, was it kings of craft beers <clears throat> or kings of Yeah,
0: in the documentary about Budweiser, like their, their internal competition.
1: Yeah, and they were kind of saying exactly what you're saying. Like, they think it's actually one of the hardest beers to make because there's nowhere to hide. Like, it has to be perfect.
0: Just a tad bit too too estuary a tad bit too spicy anything it just throws the balance off and mm. it's very very easy to detect any uh, like diacetyl any any off flavor that can happen in beer it's going to be so easy to pick up in a lager
1: very so. interesting all right so, how so did you, can th- see, you
0: can see how ale brewers were like we don't want to do that <laughs>
1: Right, it's like something that's way harder. We're like, we want to off.
0: drink that, and they're like, we don't want to make that.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're like, hey, you know that thing you used to make? Well, now it takes longer, and it's much easier to mess up.
0: <laughs> but so there were kind of, so the three I mentioned: the Pilsner, that basically came out of Czechoslovakia. Hell's Lager is the German style of Hell's and Dortmund are both German styles of the pale lager. Yes. Uh,
1: well, and in Bohemia, well, I wanted to. We could start with the pills because the it's kind of a cool story. But there was these brewing guilds, and Europe gets devastated by the Thirty Years War. There's one count of war for your deep dive. Nice, and and then over time in Bohemia, kind of the beer is like the quality is going way down and it's getting infected it's like it's all going bad it's getting like bacterial infections and there's this like moment where all these people gather in front of the top town hall um in i'm gonna forget the town's name but it's uh and they pour out all this beer like in an active protest it's like the beer Tea Party. yes the boston (laughs) tea party equivalent of the uh for beer where they're like we're not gonna drink this and so it's kind of crazy like the town rallies and they Build a new brewery, like to make. They're like, we're gonna make good beer, and then they seek out an expert.
0: This is so- back when politics was fun.
1: Yeah, could you imagine?
0: If <laughs> You're like, like, we gotta hey, get our-, our brewery built.
1: <laughs> our beer stinks. We want a brewery, and they hired this guy named Josh Crowell, who was like an expert brewer, and they're like, come run this brewery. Apparently, by Josh. the way, is it Josh? <laughs> I don't know. That
0: doesn't sound like a very.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I wrote down Josh. Prowl, but maybe no, you're that. probably
0: right. You're probably right. I just
1: <laughs> you're kind of right
0: though. That doesn't sound. It right. sounds like a weird name, right? The last name sounds right. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna look this up. Apparently, this guy <laughs> no, jo- was like Joseph. Joseph. Oh,
1: Joseph. <laughs> Josh. I was typing too fast. Okay, good catch there, Josh. <laughs> His name is. <laughs> It's like, it
0: like, <laughs> like <laughs> Billy Bob Grohl.
1: <laughs> <laughs> his
0: like, name was like 19th century Germany. His name is Billy Bob. What? <laughs> oh my god! Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Have fun editing this. <laughs> okay. okay,
0: Joseph Grohl.
1: Joseph Grohl. There you go. Apparently
0: this guy was a huge...
1: <laughs> I don't know. He was not a nice person.
0: No, was... he was like the meanest person yeah. in Germany is the worst, his nickname.
1: So I think he only what runs... your
0: nickname?
1: Yeah. I think yeah, only... you're like
0: the meanest dude in this whole country. In,
1: the, in a country, yeah. So I think he only runs the brewery for like three years. But apparently they smuggled in a strain of yeast from a rogue monk.
0: That is not true
1: that's what i read
0: that's not true this well, is de- not... debunked in the beer bible
1: oh my research was it sounds so cool
0: falling man. for romantic stories again are you
1: i always fall for the romantic stories
0: <laughs> yeah so there were very many there were a lot of like old tales and myths that Groll was smuggled, about josh like yeah <laughs> josh Grohl smuggled the yeast strain out of the 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 uh hit old brewery and moved it to the new one and or there was like a rogue monk they got to steal the yeast yeah
1: that's what i read and he like smuggled uh, it out for them
0: the the truth is that uh even in like bohemia where this was like they're you know trying to get this um new brewery started like lagering was still already being done there so, most likely wow. they just bought the yeast strained. They didn't have to smuggle it out anywhere. It was not that's, a Bav- it was not a Bavarian secret.
1: That's less exciting.
0: Yeah. yeah. There's actually another myth about Grohl being um uh like the the malt that they used was delivered to them on accident, not like and that's how they used that's how they got the initial malt to start u- making the beer.
1: Oh crazy.
0: Just a stupid myth. Another
1: romantic story.
0: Yeah, because Grohl was probably the maltster, so Mm. it wasn't, like, delivered to him. He did it himself.
1: They just made it themselves. (laughs) Yeah. And this is, like, light-roasted malts are being used now, where they're they're not toasting them as much. I guess the ability to malt got a little bit more nuanced, where they're just not, like, (laughs) burning the crap out of it
0: yeah yeah and that kind of like came out of england okay they were using paler malts already in england and so that kind of flowed out in germany uh the other interesting thing is these beers are mashed using a method called decoction hmm. and i would love to explain it to you but i don't know <laughs> you don't know what it entails oh, or it's... No. no so basically what's happening is that they're taking out like, they take grain out of the mash tun, they boil it, and then they put it back in. It's something to do with, like, manipulating the temperature. Okay. And then, like, and then resting it. So, they use a, for a long time, like, the the original Pilsner Brewery, they still use a triple decoction mash, which is, like, the most, like, three. Basically, becomes a four-step mash, because you have your initial mash, and then three additional and they're like really the only ones that still do that. Mm. A lot of some of like the original uh, light lager brewers still do a some sort of decoction mash, but usually it's a double decoction. In fact, I think the side pole they used a decoction mash for this.
1: Nice. So, yeah. Authentic.
0: Very authentic.
1: Okay. So they have the they have Josh, they have the brewery, and <laughs> they <laughs> they have these. They have medieval tunnels, so apparently there's tunnels all over the place, and so the, they have their natural refrigeration. I guess they dug more tunnels uh, for the new brewery as well.
0: But they just kept kept expanding the underground yeah, space. Yeah, like
1: as it got more and more <laughs> popular, they're like, "We need more tunnels." <laughs> so they it's built. so
0: great. I mean, they like beer, like ran their lives.
1: Yes, because the demand just ramped up.
0: Just like whatever they needed to do to get beer and the beer that people wanted brewed, they did. I like how I like the resourcefulness of these people.
1: You like the way they think, their motivations.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So yeah, that's Pilsner, and it gets incredibly popular. Do you have anything else to add for Pilsner?
0: So the interesting thing that I learned is that actually then, like, there's not a lot, like, in Czechoslovakia, if you say Pilsner, you really are only referring to the beer made at the original Urquell brewery so they you know it's just Urquil Pilsner and then all the other all these other beers are really just called light lagers that's the name for them that translates there's all these different kinds and I can't pronounce any of the words but um, basically there's versions a lot of it has to do with how strong they are so there's like lighter you know more like Two to three percent alcohol beers. You have ones that are getting up more like to five and six. Those are called special. Uh, you have light and dark versions. So there's all these like Czechoslovakian lagers that like fall into the category of, of light lager. Not all of these do, but some of them um, that really are kind of put under a category of pilsners now. But hmm, okay, uh, but really, it's like a little
1: bit like. Um champagne or something like that like everywhere else it's sparkling,
0: yeah yeah sparkling yeah. wine or yeah exactly. you or any of those like geographically locked Geogra-
1: oh yeah <laughs> that's a good way to say it geographically locked yeah and
0: then they all and then the way all the
1: american brewers get around it is they just say that and then they say in style
0: yeah so would, style. this is a
1: pilsner style <laughs>
0: <laughs> so i guess the other one to mention because uh well, we can move on to hells. hell's is That's
1: just, what I was gonna say. Is like it kind of got popular and then spread to Germany, but
0: yeah, it kind of moved over the border as it became uh, popular. And it's kind of funny because in Germany they had their loggers, but they were dunkels, mm. so they were much more used to drinking darker loggers, right? And so as these lighter loggers started to appear, they actually they called them. Hells loggers because Hells mean translates to light or pale or bright, so that's why they called them Hells loggers.
1: Ah, just to differentiate them by the color.
0: Mm-hmm. Huh. And these new pale, bright loggers kind of created a scandal because <laughs> they were so used to drinking their dunkles and darker loggers that they were like committed to blackballing hell's loggers and you know getting breweries to stop making them and they a lot of brew, uh, munich area breweries boycotted the new style hmm. but they like as a testament to how popular these beers were despite like all this opposition to them they still like eventually sort of just won out like it just became the beer style that people preferred hmm.
1: the popularity was undeniable yeah <laughs>
0: So I think that's kind of is a testament to how good these beers can be and how just how much people love them because yeah even like purists and people were like no that's not good they are like forming coalitions to get them banned and breweries were refusing to make that style and it was like it's like hard seltzer you know all the breweries that for a long yeah. time said they were never going to make them and then they just made them anyway because you have sometimes, to give the people what they yeah, want. Yeah, I was going to say, sometimes you have to give in
1: to what the people want, Steven, even if we know it's bad.
0: <laughs> uh, and again, like once you had refrigeration and you could make these loggers any time of year, they became super popular. Uh, they spread north. Most notably, they spread north to an area called Dortmund. And this was like a big mining Uh, coal and steel area and in 1887 they brewed their first pale lager in uh in Dortmund uh Dortmunder Union Brewing and they made it at two strengths and one of them was called Export the stronger version and that became like the most popular beer especially among the the miner the coal workers uh they liked the stronger beer and again this is like five and a half percent that's the strong beer (laughs)
1: oh those sweet summer childs oh
0: yes (laughs) and the really distinct thing about the Dortmund export is that it's a little bit sweeter so it's like a little sweeter a little maltier and then a higher alcohol than the Hells or the Pilsner Uh, that's kind of your defining characteristic of the Dortmund export
1: okay interesting and then I was reading the part of what they were talking about the Hells Germany has harder water than in Bohemia. Mm. So like it, that slightly changes the way like the hops became slightly more pronounced because the water was harder. So it's kind of cool. It's like the influence of the style is spreading, but then you get the, it kind of always happens this way. You get like local variation based on the terroir and like local preference Mm -hmm. and like just whatever happened to happen locally. So that's kind of
0: cool. Cool. Yeah. So that really kind of dominated the German brewing scene and then you get to like the world wars and through like the 1960s and like the Hell's Lager are popular but it's really this Dortmund export that is really the, the most dominating beer in that sort of in that light lager market so the Pilsner was like the least favorite of those three
1: <laughs> that's funny
0: <laughs> and then I think just like I, know, I think that maybe this is our where we talk about well, War and Prohibition mm-hmm. and what came out of that. Because, you know, we talked about, we did a deep dive on Yingling. Yingling's lager is a much more of an amber lager. Mm-hmm. So kind of a sweeter lager, a little bit estuary. Probably, I mean, I don't have a lot of experience with the Dortmund export beers and the Hell's Lagers. But I think it definitely sort of fits into that category. And it was a very, very, very good and beer that dominated the, the market. But you'll see, but you see that transition through prohibition where a lot of those brewers just didn't survive. And what survived on the back end, what came out of that was this sort of very homogenized light beer product in the United Ooh. States.
1: I want to jump back a little bit though. So the initial spread from Europe to North America was like German immigrants. Okay. And when they started to try to make beer in America, they realized we don't have two row barley, we have six row barley. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make a clear I mean, part of what like makes the light lager appealing is like um it's 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 the color and the clarity. Like I think mm-hmm. it also I think Pilsner and Light Lager is also sort of made clear glasses more popular. Because you could it's actually like nice to look at the
0: Crystal, mm, gotcha, okay. crystal clear
1: beer so anyways the sixth row barley has like way more protein and wouldn't produce clear beer so what they started figuring out is like oh we can supplement some of the barley and then use corn instead because then it then you get the clarity of the beer and then some people especially Budweiser used rice and they still do that today so that's kind of interesting I always thought they used rice because it was like a cost-saving measure and corn, too, especially in the U.S., is highly subsidized. But I don't think that's actually true. I think it's like kind of what we talked about before is like they wanted to make it here, but there was like local challenges in the six row barley and they solved it by using corn and then they got the product they wanted. But then it kind of shapes the future of the product in America forever because like that's just how they solved the problem here. And now we still Budweiser still puts rice in the brew. So then, yeah, then we get into Prohibition. Oh, another, okay, I have another side story. So I also wanted to cover how it spread to Mexico because, um, so Mexico had long been fermenting corn or agave. They had a drink called Tesquino. I think that's what it's called, which still gets made today, but not like on a commercial scale. Apparently it's only made like with family recipes. So the Spanish, when they started to come and conquer over here, the they brought barley to make beer, so that was kind of like the first introduction of beer into Mexico and like uh, Central and South America. But they didn't really start making it until apparently the first Mexican brewery was in 1543. Uh, Alfonso de Herrera started making European influenced beer, um, and now here's your tax evasion pillar of the deep dive. So. <laughs> he was making it and it was very popular with europeans that were there that wanted to drink you know european style beer but then the spanish got really mad that they were like making it locally because they weren't buying the imported beer from europe so they put like tons of taxes on the locally produced beer um, and they basically cut all the import taxes on the imported beer and it basically destroyed the local production of beer so unfortunately it it didn't make it um very well but then prohibition would happen in the united states and around the same time a little bit before prohibition you had like dosecki's um victoria bohemia which is a brand uh in the 1900s which is awesome it's kind of cool they named it bohemia kind of after its origins and then carta blanca We're starting to produce beer like in Mexico. And then during Prohibition, the Mexican beer market got like a huge boost because apparently people would just drive to Mexico to drink beer (laughs) because you couldn't get it in America. So kind of cool. Yeah, so Prohibition kind of like really damaged the American beer scene, but it kind of helped out the Mexican beer scene, which
0: is really cool. I like that. Like with the craft beer landscape now... It is kind of interesting to see uh, a little bit of a course reversal, because uh, what's so fascinating is that ales made a return, right? Like, so, loggers became the most dominant style uh, in the world, and then especially in the United States. And then the U.S. craft beer revolution, like, tried to, like, was going back to ales. It's this weird sort of cycle.
1: It is. Where, like...
0: Like ales were made for so long and the preferred style, and then you had this revolution of pilsners, and uh, of lagers, the whole uh, a whole other sort of category of beer style took over and dominated. And then now, like we were trying to get back to ales, but it's just it's fascinating to me, I guess, because one of the reasons why the ales kind of died out was because there was a preference to drinking these lagers and it's just interesting now that like we want to get back to drinking ales i mean we do and but
1: we do but now and i feel like there's even well maybe it's been happening for a while now but you have craft breweries doing some of these light lager styles but doing them in their craft beer style so
0: mm-hmm. yeah more back to the roots of how these beers were originally made Which I guess that seems sort of more full circle to me of like...
1: Yeah, like they're going all the way back to how they were made traditionally. Kind of like with your decoction, 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 what are they called? Detoxion, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like, I guess, in some ways, the reputation of the lager, reputation of the Czech Pilsner got tarnished by American beer. Right. American beer, right? And so I guess in some ways... Like we have to thank them for creating such bad beer. (laughs) And then they that created this like this revolution of we want to drink flavorful ales. And then that led more towards people just wanting to brew beer in the in more traditional methods. Uh, Right. Including not only ales, but also including lagers and brewing those more in traditional methods and making good versions of that kind of beer. Whereas for so long, it just had this reputation of being just crappy and thin and not flavorful. So. Yeah, totally. So now we have everything. Yeah, now Ales, we have too lagers, much. and we have, like, the technology and ability to just sort of brew any type of beer at any time.
1: Right, and you can do the—we have refrigeration, and we can modify the water to make it any way we yeah, want. Yeah,
0: manipulate the water, manipulate the temperature. You can hold temperatures exactly— Within you know probably tenths of a degree, it's just kind of fascinating. But look, I I lose faith in humanity. But we have you know essentially created a uh, environment where you can make any type of beer at any time, and And that's uh, that's great for human (laughs) achievement. (laughs) I feel some connection to those people in Bohemia.
1: I don't remember the town, but yeah, that were
0: where there is like they demanded like we demanding
1: need that, right? a mm-hmm. new brewery,
0: and they like they built it. They made it all state of the art and everything.
1: Yeah, they took it it's seriously. It's a very very
0: fancy brewery, and they because the people demanded that they have that. I love that.
1: <laughs> Let's go try it in our modern era.
0: <laughs> you to, yeah, You need to gather in the town square. Demand breweries for, for yeah. So they're like You already
1: have tons of breweries
0: They're like uh Oh yeah Oops There's like one right there One <laughs> around the block
1: Yeah breweries okay. have gotten to the point where like you What know, do we want? Breweries yeah.
0: When do we want them? Right now Okay <laughs> Walk around the corner
1: maybe. <laughs> It's like the Starbucks across the street From the Starbucks at this point Yeah, yeah.
0: Like meet at the meet at the Starbucks on the corner.
1: <laughs> like which corner?
0: It's an A. <laughs> the north corner or the south? Corner? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, right. I don't Does know. We... Was that a deep dive or just this, uh, we just waded in the water of pale loggers? It's a long history. Yeah. It's a it's a long history. It's a complicated history. It, which is funny because it's not really that complicated of a beer. In yeah, the, in, the, in the you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's really just not. It's it's just hard to brew. It takes time. It's a difficult style to perfect and make good. But it's not. But the whole point is to be very, very drinkable, very light, light bodied, and just a like sort of a crisp, refreshing beer. And I mentioned this earlier, but it really is. Probably the easiest beer to pair with food because there's not really anything it doesn't go with.
1: Mm, True.
0: I think that's another reason why they're so popular.
1: That makes sense.
0: I mean, if I had to pick a beer to drink with dinner, this one I'm drinking right now would win over any sort of IPA, certainly any sour that I could pick because it's so hard to pair those beers with food. Yeah. And do it well.
1: that makes sense yeah because it's refreshing it's light and it just isn't really gonna get in the way of any flavor other any other flavor that you're eating
0: and you see that a lot like uh in the cicerone instagram they'll post like a quiz or something about like what would you what kind of beer would you pair with this food or whatever And it's interesting to see some of the results. And then they kind of show you the results of what, like, the Master Cicerones say. And it really is, like, very, it's usually simple styles that end up winning. Or styles, like, I don't know, like Dunkle. um, Sort of these sort of, like, maltier styles or cleaner styles. Rarely are ever going to see, like, oh, yeah, pair this with a hazy IPA. You know, (laughs) like, (laughs) um, those beers tend to be more enjoy on their own beers mm-hmm.
1: standalone yeah all right cool well do you think we did justice to it or as close as we could we can always hit a
0: yeah. deep dive too yeah well you know I, we could do part two and do the dark loggers and you know kind of go back over anything that we missed on the pale loggers but i think sort of the main points really too is that you have this second branch and you have these two major branches of beer and i love again i just love that like cycle of What is popular and what people like, and now I guess it's like peak humanity now, where we just can make whatever we want at any time. But it's really fun, and that's why we have a podcast about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because there's so much good beer to drink.
0: (laughs) Think about trying to make a podcast in Bohemia at the time when the only beer available is a is a pill, a Hells. That's it. Just talk about it every week. Like this week, (laughs) Josh and Billy Bob good german talking names talking about the health. hans and franz <laughs> there you go
1: <laughs> all right all right enough fun yeah, they're
0: off the rails
1: off the rails all right well if you want to reach out to us we are available at on instagram at attenuation.podcast and also we have an email at contact.attenuation uh, sorry contact.attenuation at gmail.com and this has been episode 71 of attenuation of your podcast My name is Jason, and I'm joined by my best friend since eighth grade, Stephen. That's me. And we are saying cheers, and we will see you next week for episode 72.
0: Cheers. Happy birthday, buddy.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Attenuation of Your Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, and follow us on Instagram or Facebook for more fun content. Catch you next week. Cheers!